Well, let's uh, turn uh, to God's Word to look at it now uh, as we continue in our series in guidance. Apologies that the series has been a little bit uh, spread out, um, but we'll do a little bit of a recap so that we can hold it uh, together. And I think after this there'll be, uh, there's at least one more because we have to get to how do we actually find guidance We've got to look at that. We've looked at the general direction, God's great goal for our lives. We've seen that, that God is sovereign and that he has everything planned out. A key verse is Deuteronomy 29, 29. There are the secret things that belong to God, but there are also the things that are revealed And the things that are revealed, Moses tells the children of Israel and us, they are for us and for our children in order that we might do them. So often we want to know what God has not told us so that we can do it. But Moses says the things that are revealed to us are the things that we are to do. Yes, God has everything planned. But no, God has not promised to spell out all the detail for us. He has not promised to send us an email with our daily schedule on it and with a a how-to for all the decisions that we have to make. In a sense, we would love him to do that. But as we saw last time, uh, looking uh, particularly at at chapter uh, 5 of Hebrews and seeing that verse, that God is aiming for our maturity and our growth. And that comes about through taking his word and mining it and learning how to wisely apply it to our circumstances. And and so in our first uh, sermon, we saw God's goal for our lives. And there were four things, to know God, to become like Christ, uh, to be witnesses for Christ. And we saw that all of this happens in connection with his church. God's goal for our lives, that we would know him, that we would be like him, that we would bear witness to him, and that we would be part of his community. And so when we're, we're seeking to know, what does God want me to do? It's got to connect into those four great threads. That's what God is doing. And we saw that we want to get rid of the idea excuse me, of that some Christians talk about the idea of being in the center of God's will. Because that implies that God has promised to reveal to us the exact path that we should be on. And we've seen that he doesn't promise to. He knows the path. But he hasn't promised to spell it out in detail for us. We are to trust him. We're to trust him and obey him. And as we trust and obey, we will find that we are walking in the path that he has de- designed for us. So that was uh, the first week. Then the second week, we started to look at, well, if the things revealed belong to us, how do we know what God has revealed? And we saw that God has revealed himself to us in his word. And in, when we look at God's word, we saw last time there were four qualities 
Those qualities were these, that it's authoritative. It comes with an authority that tells us what we must believe and what we must do. It's authoritative. We saw that it is infallible. There are no mistakes in it. God is true and His Word is truth. And all His assertions are true. He doesn't make mistakes. We saw, thirdly, that it's sufficient. That's an important word. We read this evening from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. And we, we, we read there that God's Word is, is inspired, it's, it's given by God, that the man of God, the woman of God, might be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As one writer says, not uh, everything, we're not told everything about everything, but we are told everything God wants us to infallibly know. We're told everything that God wants us to infallibly know. Uh, and so it's sufficient. It's sufficient. And we have this key thought that God has given us enough. And he wants us to work with what he's given us. So as we mine the scriptures, we grow in our understanding of God. And we begin to see how different things connect together and we mature as we grow in wisdom. One writer says, as we meditate on Scripture, our minds are conformed to the mind of God and we can know God's will. As we meditate on Scripture. See, that's so vastly different from wanting it all handed to us in a plate. God says, no, 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 I'm not doing that. It's like our... Our, our, our teacher in school who isn't interested in us getting the answer to the maths question right by looking up the answer in the back of the book. The maths teacher wants us to work at understanding the principles so that when we're faced with another problem, we know how to apply the principles of mathematics to that problem. Well, God wants us to understand the principles of who he is and how we should live so that as we are faced with this and that and the other, we're not wanting to turn to the back of the book to find an answer. But we're equipped to respond as we meet things. That's what biblical living and biblical wisdom is. So he has designed it to be sufficient. And it's complete. It's complete. And that means that we're not to add to it. We see many places in Scripture from the beginning, from Deuteronomy, uh, from Proverbs in the middle, and from Revelation at the end, we are strongly warned against adding to God's Word. So that's, that's where we've been. And uh, really, what happened last time was I ran out of time. Uh, and we didn't get to the questions that you might have had. And uh, we come to those uh, this evening. Uh, some of the questions that, that we might have if we're saying that God has spoken... And he has spoken authoritatively, he has spoken infallibly, he has spoken sufficiently, and he has spoken completely. That raises some questions, and I've got uh, at least three here. The first question is, does God speak today? Does God speak today? 
And we answer that question, yes. God speaks to us today in creation. We're told in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. As we look at the world around us, we, we see aspects of His wisdom, His creativity, His goodness, His power, His majesty, His excellence. So God speaks to us in creation. But more particularly, God speaks to us in His Word. And we need to remember that in all that we're saying uh, about prophecy, dreams, and visions that we'll touch on in a moment, we are not saying that God has stopped speaking. God speaks to us every time we read His Word. Every time we open, this is the Word of God. And we're told that it is living and active. Hebrews 4.12. It's living and active. And so as we read this, this is God's Word. We're not reading from an ancient book. Um, we are reading the living Word of God. And if we were to... If the Lord Jesus Christ were here this evening and you could say to him, tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to know, my Savior, to live for you. He might start off like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. And he might just keep reading. And we said to him, is there nothing else? And he said, no, it's all in the book. And I said, but, but, but that's a book. He says, yes, but it's a living book. It's not living in the sense that it keeps growing. It's living in the sense that it keeps speaking because it is the Word of God. And we need to remember, we need to remember that when it's being read so that we hear it with reverence. We don't sit in judgment on it because it's going to come to us and rebuke us and correct us and to train us in righteousness. Timothy was told to, to preach the Word uh, in season and out of season to rebuke, uh, to correct, to encourage, and to challenge. It's the living Word of God. And the so does God still speak? Yes, through creation, through His Word, and through preaching. Through preaching. Preaching is one of God's ways of bringing His Word to bear on people's lives. And God speaks through the preaching of His Word. In Romans 10, verse 14, um, Paul is asking, well, well, how can people know if they've not heard? And he says, how can they believe Him uh, and this is in the ESV, the way it translates it, how can they believe him whom they have not heard? How can they believe him whom they have not heard? How can they believe in Jesus if they've not heard him? Well, when Paul's saying about the gospel going to the nations, it's not going to be Jesus taking it to the nations in person. It's going to be preachers and missionaries taking it. But, but who is it Paul says that people hear in the preaching of the Word, it is the Lord Jesus. He's speaking through it. And that, that's why it's so vitally important that when we're listening to preaching, we have our Bibles open and that we're seeing what the preacher is saying is not his own opinion, but that it's coming from the Word of God. 
So does God speak today? Yes, uh, through uh, general revelation, through Scripture, uh, through the preaching of His Word. The Holy Spirit takes it and presses it into our lives, presses it home. I mean, you find that at times. And that should cause us to be eager to listen. Eager to listen when God's Word's being read. Eager to go to God's Word because God is going to speak to me. And God does bring Scripture to mind. It's not just that His Word's there and, and we read it uh, and, and it's to speak to us. But there are times when we come to think about a decision, that we come to face a circumstance. And the Holy Spirit, who inspired the Word of God, brings God's Word to mind so that we make decisions. It's living. It's speaking to us in those moments. And so, yes, in that sense, God speaks. But the thing that we're to remember in all of this is the, the centrality of His full final, finished word. It's how he speaks to us. So that's the first question. Does God speak today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Through his word particularly. Second question. Does God give new revelation? Does God give new revelation? Should we expect God to give new revelation to tell us what we should do? Should we expect God to give us new revelation to tell us infallibly what we should do? No. If God meant what we saw last time, that his word is authoritative, that it's infallible, that it's sufficient, and it's complete. Especially if it's sufficient and complete, then we should not expect him to give new revelation. If he's told us what I've given you is enough. You see, there's something odd about going back to God and saying, uh, I need you to give me more. Um, God expects us to pray for guidance, to mine his word and to obey what we find there as we piece it together. To apply ourselves to Scripture. So then we might have questions. What about dreams and visions and prophecy? Don't we meet those things in Scripture? God seems to speak to his people in dreams and visions and prophecy. Should, should we not expect him to do that to us? Well, think about it. He did that, and if we were to ask him where the Scriptures complete and sufficient at that time, well, no, they weren't complete nor sufficient at that time. And so he had to give special revelation to his people. They were at an intermediate stage in the Old Testament. And then as we meet the book of Acts, have the people in the book of Acts got the gospel written down? No. Have they got the letters? No, because the letters are, are often written towards the end of the book of Acts. 
when Paul's on his journeys. They don't have that. So we find them, God providing, there's some dreams, there's some visions, and there's prophecy, teaching, where God is revealing His truth because Scripture wasn't complete, but now it is. So what about today? Should we expect dreams and visions and prophecy today? And by and large, the answer is no. There may be places where God's Word is restricted, where access to God's Word is restricted, where God may reveal something more to people. I've read accounts of people in Muslim countries who they've read in the Quran about Jesus. They've read about Him, but they haven't got the, the full picture. And they, they often talk about having a dream or a vision. But that's in a circum. That's not about guidance. That's about salvation. That's about the mercy of God in bringing salvation to somebody who is not going to hear the full message. God will not be thwarted in the spread of the gospel. We're, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about guidance. How the ordinary Christian who has the complete Word of God is to live their lives. And also, as we look at church history, God's preachers and theologians have sought to be careful to guard God, uh, to guard us in this. Um, John Calvin, very certain that uh, there were all sorts of fanatics who would abandon Scripture and fly over revelation and cast down all principles of godliness, uh, said this. He speaks about prophets. Um, and he said about the Lord raised up prophets and apostles and evangelists at the beginning of his kingdom and now and again revives them as the need of the times demands. He says this, but then he says this, this class does not either exist today or is less commonly seen. He talks about this being extraordinary. So John Calvin is saying, 99% of the time we're not going to see this, but in extraordinary times, God may raise up uh, people. But then the theologians were very careful uh, to, to guard this, and they said that the, 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 the people who would receive some sort of awareness of what God was going to do. Uh, these, uh, let me see. These worthy reformers did tie no man to believe their prophecies as scriptures. You see, sometimes what, what would have happened in church history is that, for example, one of the Scottish covenanters, a man called Alexander Peden, he was in a, a meeting uh, one evening and he went out of the meeting and there was a time of great persecution and people were being hunted down and killed and he went out of the meeting and he came back and he said something along the lines of we must pray for John Brown of Priest Hill's wife for he is no more. And miles and miles and miles away that evening John Brown of Priest Hill had been taken out and shot by the soldiers for being a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And so in that sense, you know, God did reveal something. But again, it's not for guidance. It's not for in ordinary circumstances. In extraordinary circumstances, God may yet do these things. But we are talking about ordinary, everyday life for the Christian. Does God reveal things for our guidance? No, that's not what we should expect. Um, what about does God reveal new things? Uh, we think of some of the visions that people have had um, in Ireland at Knock uh, of Mary and, and so on, uh, and visions like that. Well, we're told that Paul writes um, that in Galatians 1 8, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Even if an angel were to come from heaven, you saw an angel and they preached something that took away from the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not going to reveal something like that that takes away from the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come back to our question, does God give new revelation? And the answer is no. He does not give new revelation for the guidance of his people. He does not give new revelation that changes the message of the Bible. It is full and final and complete. Now, uh, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ would say that God does give uh, new revelation. Here's one man uh, here uh, quoted in, in this book. And he says this. Um, once, he's speaking about prophecy, he says, once its divine inspiration has been fully established, prophecy carries the same authority as Scripture, since both carry the authority of the same Lord who has spoken and is speaking, both are to be obeyed. He's saying that whenever somebody in the church receives a prophecy, it's got the same weight as this, and we're to obey it. That's a, that's a worrying thought, isn't it? And then he says, admittedly, and he names the man, he tries to guard his view of the Bible by stating that modern prophecy is not an addition or an alternative or an advance on Scripture. And that in all matters of faith and practice, Scripture is both final and universal. But how can that be if new prophecy has an equal weight with Scripture? Then it is an addition, and then Scripture is not the final word. We place ourselves in a, in a precarious position when we start to say, yes, God, God still speaks today through other means. He speaks through His Word, yes. But does he give prophecy, dreams, revelation? We place ourselves in a precarious position. Some other, um, some other Christians would say they would take a different approach uh, to the man I've just quoted. They would say, no, it's not on a par with Scripture. It is emphatically not. It's a second level of God speaking and God revealing. And it's got to be weighed and it's got to be assessed and it's got to be measured and, and it may not always be right. Really? 
So we've got something that's not clear and not always right. And on the other hand, we have got the infallible, sufficient and completed Word of God. Why would I take on board something that may not be right, that may not be clear? Um, I remember listening to a debate with, with one such theologian, and he made the astonishing statement that in their church they believed that God could give um, this second level, this secondary level or second uh, tier of, of guidance, um, of of speaking a word of knowledge or prophecy. But he said that in our church, we don't allow it to happen for relationships. I thought, well, surely that's the strangest thing. Surely in life, the thing that we most want to know God's guidance on is, is, is nearly always a relationship issue. And surely if ever you wanted God to speak with clarity into our lives, it would be in a situation like that. This is the person that you should go out with. This is the person you should marry. And he said, no, we don't allow that. Why not? Well, because of the problem of it not being clear, of it being misused, of it not being right. He said, it doesn't... What, what was being described by this man sounded much more like hunches and ideas uh, and uh, not helpful in seeking to live the Christian life. So, the question, does God give new revelation? Um, we want to say that nothing has the same weight as Scripture. One writer says, um, Guidance is not a search for divine messages outside the Bible. There is no extra revelation to look for. We have to take, or sorry, we have, sorry, we have the whole counsel of God. We have the whole counsel of God. So, uh, now as we, just one final question as we bring things uh, to an end this evening. How, does God speak today? Yes, through his word. Does God give new revelation? No, he doesn't. Thirdly, what about feelings, hunches, and a sense of peace? What about feelings, hunches, and a sense of peace? Are these prompts from God? Remember, we're asking the question, Does, are these infallible guidance from God? Does God use feelings, hunches, and a sense of peace to reveal His will to us in a way that is infallible, that we can say God has spoken? The answer is no. No. God may use them. Undoubtedly, there are times when we may feel drawn or led to do something, but great care is needed and only after we've brought everything from Scripture to bear. But we cannot say, I feel like this, therefore God is saying. Or I've got a hunch that this is what we should do. I've got a hunch. Or I have a real sense of peace about this. So therefore we should do it. We, we, we can't do that. 
we've got to start off, and we'll see next time, a proper way to think about decision-making and guidance. But we don't start. We've got the Word of God, and we put nothing. Some, sometimes, Christians, we can put other things on a par with the Word of God, and we must not do that. We are so complex. Our, our, our desires, our dreams, our hunches can come from all sorts of places, and so we need to be incredibly careful. We need to be careful. We shouldn't baptize our feelings and as if to say, well, I've got this feeling, I've got this desire, uh, and that means that it's what God's will is for my life. People who have been having an affair, even though they're professing Christians, have said, I felt it was God's will for me. I was clearly not. Because God says, in black and white, in His Word, no. So it's not God's will. It doesn't matter what you feel. Um, at, a, at another level, First uh, Timothy 3 uh, says that if a man desires the office of an elder, he desires a noble task. He desires something, and, and that's good. Is that enough to make him an elder? No, because the Holy Spirit sets out a whole list of qualifications written down in the Word that must be matched. So a man can have all the feelings he likes. A man can have all the feelings he likes that he is called to the ministry, but if he does not match the criteria here, his feelings count for nothing. God's Word trumps our feelings at every turn because God's Word is right and wise and good. So, feelings. You know, somebody... Uh, some. Somebody could, uh, could say, you know, I had this great uh, image in my mind of a particular house and I was driving down the road and I saw the house and I knew it was God's will for me to buy it. Seems nothing wrong with that. But what if they investigate the house and find it's riddled with mica? What if they investigate the house and, and find that it has no planning permission and is under an order to be demolished? Would they be so quick to say, this vision that I had is clearly God's will? Maybe, unbeknownst to them, they had seen a photograph of the house in the newspaper uh, because it was to be demolished. And it had imprinted itself in their mind. And then whilst they're out looking at property and thinking, you know, God has called me to move house. They then, you know, there's all sorts of ways our mind works that we need to be very careful about. Hunches. How often have I had a hunch that I should call and see somebody and they weren't there? Really strong hunch, must call in and see somebody. And then there have been other times where they've been there and it's been right that I've called to see them. But am I right to say when I get the hunch about every single hunch I get, this is God's will for my life. This is God guiding me. I must do this. Well, no, that would be, that would be folly uh, to do that. We can look at things like that from a distance and go, wow, you know what? I'm glad I followed up on that because God 
was doing something. But it's not, it's not the same as saying God told me. We need to be very careful about saying God told me to do this. Um, our hunches and our feelings are not infallible. They are not reliable. And so we need to be careful. Great care is in God's word always comes first. Uh, and then, uh, just uh, thinking about this, what about a sense of peace? That was the third one. What about a sense of peace? Is that guidance, is that confirmation that we are in the will of God? A sense of peace. The Bible talks about we have peace with God. We're no longer his enemies. Then it talks about we have peace from God. And you think, yes, I have a sense of peace about this decision that I'm making. I must be doing the right thing. Until we remember that Jonah slept while he was fleeing from God in the midst of a storm in a ship, Jonah, in his disobedience, had complete peace. Complete peace. So that isn't the best guide in the world. Um, and then, when he was doing the right thing and preaching the gospel to the Ninevites, did he have peace? He was as grumpy as could be, furious that God had brought salvation to them. Peace was no measure of anything for Jonah. But think of our Lord in Gethsemane. Was he at peace? And yet, he was obeying. He was obeying. And he followed the Word, the written Word, the revealed Word. And that guided him to keep going and to keep believing and to keep trusting, even though his feelings said no, even though his, uh, his peace was absent. So, sometimes the right action will leave us far from peace. Sometimes we are called to take hard steps and our minds are in turmoil. So, we can't make peace the judge of how we obey. Peace is a dodgy compass. Hunches are a dodgy compass needle. The last thing you want to do, don't have my phone, it's over there. The last thing you want to do is use the compass on my phone to decide where north is. For whatever reason, the compass on my phone tells me that north is any direction except where north is. And it will swing around. You know, when you move around, it'll be consistently wrong. Um, it's not a reliable guide. And then there'll be the time when it's right. But you don't know that it's right because it's been wrong that many other times. And so we need to be careful with making these things our ultimate guide, uh, our ultimate source of guidance. Peace and hunches and feelings are a dodgy compass. The Bible, the Word of God, is a reliable guide. Our true north that gives us the direction in which we're to go. And we might wish that we had more than a compass. We might wish that we had a detailed map. But God says, keep following the compass bearing. Keep following the compass bearing. Trust me, know me, obey me. Live godly and wisely. And I'll keep you in the right path. I'll keep you in the right path. And that's to be enough for us. So, as we 
finish this evening, we remind ourselves that our sure guide is Scripture. Nothing else must come alongside or add to or supersede Scripture. We are to have confidence in God's Word. We are to immerse ourselves in God's Word. We are to, through consistent, or sorry, through constant use, we are to apply it, and as we do that, we'll become wise. And we are to have confidence in living biblically, not feeling threatened by others who'll say, well, the Lord told me, or I had a dream about this, or I had a vision about that. You've got the living Word of God that is sufficient so that you might be thoroughly equipped uh, for every good purpose. Amen.